Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. So this is Psalm 119, 153 through 160. Let's give our attention to the reading of God's holy word. Look on my suffering and deliver me, for I have not forgotten your law. Defend my cause and redeem me. Preserve my life according to your promise. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek out your decrees. Your compassion, Lord, is great. Preserve my life according to your laws. Many are the foes who persecute me, but I have not turned from your statutes. I look on the faithless with loathing, for they do not obey your word. See how I love your precepts. Preserve my life, Lord, in accordance with your love. All your words are true. All your righteous laws are eternal. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. And so, Lord, we pray that your word would speak. We pray that your truth would be with us. Lord, speak for your servants are listening. Amen. I could while away the hours Conferring with the flowers Consulting with the rain And my head I'd be scratching While my thoughts were busy hatching If I only had a brain I'd unravel every riddle for any individual in trouble or in pain. With the thoughts you'd be thinking, you could be another Lincoln if you only had a brain. Oh, I can tell you why the ocean's near the shore. I could think of things I'd never thought before. Then I'd sit and think some more. I would not just be a nothing. My head all full of stuffing. My heart all full of pain. I would dance and be merry. Life would be a ding a dairy if I only had a brain. If I only had a brain, right? Have we ever thought about that or have we wondered if they only had a brain? Uh, If uh, I was, as I was watching uh, The Wizard of Oz this week with our family, I I chuckled pretty loud because Dorothy asked the scarecrow, well, well, how can you talk if you don't have a brain? And, And he said, but some people without brains do an awful lot of talking, don't they? Whew. I only had a brain. Have you ever said that to yourself? Why did I do that? That was so stupid. Look in the mirror and think, gosh, did I say that? Did I mean that? We, we, we need a, a brain. We, we need to know what's going on. But more than just knowledge, we need wisdom. We need to apply knowledge well. You know what they say about wisdom, right? That Uh, the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is knowing that tomatoes are fruit, but wisdom is not putting it in fruit salad. 
that, that here there is this difference that we have between knowledge and wisdom. And, and we should, if, if knowledge was the key to the world, that the, the time in which we live in, we should make the best decisions in human history because we have access to knowledge better than ever before. We don't have to memorize our state capitals because we can just say, hey, Siri, what is the capital of Maine? And Siri will answer us. Or Alexa, what is 27 times 42? And Alexa will give you an answer, right? That there, we have an unimaginable amount of information and knowledge available to us. And yet there is this incredible deficit in the world and in our lives of wisdom. We need to know what to do, and we need to find out how do I make the right decisions? How do I do the right things? And probably all of us at different points in time in our life, we've had decisions or we've had situations, and we just weren't quite sure. And we say, well, where do we go for wisdom? How do we find wisdom? Where do we seek it? And probably some of us we, we think back to a gift we got, maybe it was from the church, maybe it was from our grandparents, but, but somebody may have given us the Bible when we, were, when we were growing and said, here, everything you need to know about life is in here. Read this book. And so as kids, we got this Bible, we opened it up, and we thought, what in the world is this? What does this story mean? What does everything mean? My Siri is going crazy on my device. Stop it. I don't want to touch it. It may mess it up. Okay. So here we need the word of God. But I don't know about you, but the Bible can be difficult. And, and what is it? Maybe you've opened up the Bible. You said, I'm going to read this thing. And, and then you've opened it up and it's been very confusing. So what is it about understanding the Bible that makes it so difficult? I wish that the Bible was, was easier I wish that it was just so plain as day, and there are times and there are moments and there are scriptures that are just very, very clear, but we have to understand that the Bible is a very complicated book. It is actually 66 different books. It's more to be understood as a library than an individual book. It's 66 different books split into two testament, two halves. Um, it is split into, it is written by about 40 different people over thousands of years in ancient Hebrew and ancient Greek. Jesus himself spoke Aramaic. It's in cultures and worlds that have different places and different understandings and a different way of living than you and I do. So if you've ever opened the Bible and been confused, you are not alone. It is a difficult book to understand. And if you're sitting there and you think, I've got the Bible figured out, I would question that. Because as somebody who has been studying this and, and training in this, I still don't have it figured out. I am continually seeking, and God continues to speak to me, but I lean into the complexity of the Scriptures. And so when we say the Bible matters here, we're not saying it's easy, just follow along. In fact, we're saying the exact opposite. It's difficult to understand. But seek, learn, embrace and we believe that God will meet us here. When we say the Bible matters here, we are saying seeking and embracing the word of God is the direction that we should follow. It's a complicated book. It's difficult to understand. But it's worth the effort. 
The Bible is also has been misused time and time again from everybody I've ever been around. We misuse the Bible. We use verses out of context, and some people have used it to oppress and enslave people and keep them there. They have, kept, they have used it in order to, to take advantage of other people. That is not the design of the book. It has been misused. And one of the ways that we have misused it is that we, we don't really understand things in its context. We, we take Bible verses out of its context, and we use it in all sorts of different ways. Now, so what I want to do, I want to just sort of pause my sermon and go to a new segment that I'm calling Scriptures You Won't Find in the Upper Room Devotional or in the Bible at Verse of the Day. Because oftentimes in those, there'll be a verse or something, and that will be the start of a, of a little bit, a few paragraphs or somebody sort of explaining what this verse means. These are verses you will never find in those things. I thought about this last week because I saw Galatians 5.20. This is the whole of the verse idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalry, dissensions, divisions. This is the word of God for the people of God. Preach that, all right? That's what I'll, if I ever taught people how to preach, I'd just mess with them and give them, all right, I want you to preach on Galatians 5.20. Good luck. All right? There's some weird stories in the Bible, right? 2 Kings 2.23 some small boys came out of the city and jeered at him, saying, Go up, you bald head. Go up, you bald head. What does that mean? There are some times we don't understand where in the world does this come from. Psalm 137, 9. Blessed shall he be who takes your little ones and dashes them against the rock. Good news. That's right. That's what I would be doing too if I was a kid in this room. Mom and dad, don't listen to that guy up front. It can get disturbing as well. 2 Kings 6, 28. The woman said to me, give your son that we may eat him today and we will eat my son tomorrow. When I was talking with my wife, Heather, about this, she said, Aaron, you realize people are going to be, like, stopping listening to your sermon and look this up. So you can just, like, save it, write it down, 2 Kings 6.28, see the verse in context. What, what was going on in the situation around this? I do think it'd be good to end on a happy note. So this is Ecclesiastes 10.19. Bread is made for laughter, and wine gladdens life, and money answers everything. These are the words of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. We can take scripture out of context. It's confusing. We don't always understand it. There are stories that are weird. There are things that are strange. It is not something to be taken lightly. We have to dig deep. We have to understand it. We have to seek answers. We have to live into the word of God. Not just take out of it what we think we should get out of it. Not just read it and say, oh, that was easy. I'm moving on. Sometimes the Lord does speak very clearly, but oftentimes it involves us searching the scriptures. Part of what I try to do as your pastor is that I don't just try to say, oh, this is what this text says to me. But I try to understand what it would have meant to the original people who would have heard this text. What would have been like in their original context? And then try to take that meaning and bring it to you all. That's part of my job as a pastor is to dig deep into the scriptures. 
And so as your pastor and as, as, as your preacher, I am somebody who does trust the Bible, even though there's some weird verses like that and there's some other things that sometimes cause me to raise my eyebrows, I am somebody who deeply trusts in God's Word. Now, why do I trust the Bible? The first reason I trust the Bible is that the Scriptures testify to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. They tell us about an incredible event that happened in history. They tell us about the life, about the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that is why I trust the Bible. It's not because I'm supposed to, but because it tells us about the story in which it changed the history of the entire world. It literally has changed the way that we count time. We count time, B.C. and A.D., at the pivot point of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Now, today... We take account of everything. So if an event happens, everybody has an opinion. Everybody tweets about it or puts about it on Facebook. Anytime there is a, a major anniversary, it happened uh, just a month ago with September 11th, we all gave our account of where we were September 11th, 2001. We did that because we have means to be able to do that. But 2,000 years ago, it was not easy to give your account. Not everybody had the ability to write. That was a special skill for those who had a certain level of education. And writing was an ordeal. You didn't just need your th thumbs. You needed all this paper. You needed the pen. You needed this setup to be able to do it. And so it's noteworthy in the Gospel of Luke, and the Gospels tell the story of Jesus' time here on earth. It's noteworthy that he began these words, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. That here, this event about Jesus Christ, how Jesus lived and died and was resurrected, many people took up an account. Many people took the time and effort to write about this. And so for us, we have the Bible because Jesus is risen from the dead. If Jesus doesn't rise from the dead, we're not standing here saying this is the word of God for the people of God. Yes, we would still have the Hebrew Bible or the Old Testament. Those words would still be there, but we wouldn't be gathered in the same way. Our New Testament was formed because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and because of what happened from that moment. It testifies. And so that's why I am involved with Scripture. Now, additionally, the scriptures were utilized by Jesus. He was somebody who read that Old Testament. He knew the Hebrew Bible. He was inclined to God's word. The same psalm that we just read, Jesus read. He heard, he knew. In fact, when Jesus was dying on a cross, he quoted Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When he was being tempted in the wilderness, he spoke scripture and truth back to the enemy. The scriptures were utilized by Jesus, and we model our lives after Jesus and follow him. So because the scriptures mattered to Jesus, they mattered to us. Now, the scriptures have also been confirmed across centuries. We aren't just standing here and said, oh, these 66 books look good. Let's go with these. But throughout time and century, people of the church, the tradition of the church has said, yes, these books. When Luke sat down to write his Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, he didn't say, oh, I am writing part of the Bible. He was just writing it down. Paul wasn't trying to write part of the New Testament. He was just sending letters to churches. And later people said, these are the words that God would have us to, to be at. And that's been confirmed across the century. In a world in which so many things change, it's a gift to be a part of something that continues to be said. This is our foundation, and this is truth. 
And one of the things that gives me hope is that the scriptures are consistent with the ways and the means of God. Here's what I mean by that. Is that the way that God has done almost everything in the history of the world is his action combined with human action is that it is his action and he's invited us into a partnership with him to redeem the world. How does God feed people in the world today? Is that he has provided what's needed for food and he calls us to feed other people. It's a partnership all along the journey. It's sometimes messy. It's not always perfect. It's sometimes it's weird. Just when I make meals, it's not always perfect. But it's, the Bible is this beautiful combination of his grace and humanity. And I also love it because the scriptures highlight regular people who have an incredible encounter with an amazing God. If it was just all these people who were perfect and who seemed to get it, I wouldn't believe the story. But these are regular people who have, have met the divine God and whose lives have been transformed. I love the way one, sap, one pastor said it. Um, when he said, the Bible is not a collection of sanitized stories of holy people. It is rather a collection of stories of ordinary and broken people who are loved by God and made holy by a righteousness that is outside of themselves. And one of the reasons why I trust the Bible is because it is these ordinary people who have been a part of extraordinary events. Now, in those days... When our Bible was written, women weren't considered reliable bearers of news. Now, I'm saying that was 2,000 years ago, all right? We trust women today, all right? But in those days, they weren't reliable witnesses. So one of the reasons why I actually trust the Bible is because the, the first witnesses and the loudest witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus Christ were women. If they were trying to write this book to try to convince people that the resurrection of Jesus was true, they wouldn't have said, oh, the women said he wasn't there. The women said the tomb was empty. No, it would have been somebody of, of repute, somebody of standing, somebody that was trustworthy. But that's not what happened. Jesus used these women to speak the gospel that he has risen. Regular people who encounter an incredible God. This is our scripture. These are our stories. And so whenever we approach the Bible, we do so believing and trusting that it can speak and that it is active. Hebrews 4.12 says it this way, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. We believe that the, the same spirit that illuminated the authors of the Bible is available to us now thousands of years later as we read the Bible. And that it is cutting to us. Now, I am not a surgeon for lots and lots of reasons. The number one reason being that if I had to see all that blood, I'd pass out all the time. I mean, that's just, I just don't know how people do it. But, but here's what I know is that a scalpel in my hands is bad news for everybody. A scalpel in the hands of a surgeon who knows what they're doing, even though it cuts, it brings healing. And this is sometimes what the Word of God does, is if, if I read the Bible and it just confirms everything I thought, I'm doing it wrong. If I believe that I have the truth 
and that God has given the truth uniquely to Aaron Tiger at Mustang, Oklahoma in 2021, and there is nothing more I can learn. I have got it figured out. I'm doing it wrong. The Bible should cut me in a healthy way. It should say, this area of your life is not good. Do you see it? This is you. You are a Pharisee. You are falling short. Aaron, you need hope here that you don't have. Let me give it to you. It can be sharp. And this is what should happen is that when we approach the Bible, it should affect us and it should get deep into our hearts. So how do we approach the Bible? There's different ways. Sometimes we say, oh, just read the Bible. And what do we mean by that? Just read the Bible. Let me tell you a few different ways in which we can approach and encounter God's word. Now, one approach is to, and they all have value. These are all good things to do. So one approach is to read through a book of the Bible or the whole Bible. It, it, it's to kind of get the, the span of a, of a book. And so it's really good. Have you ever sat down and read through a book of the Bible? You'll sit down and, and you'll read other books. Have you ever just sat down and read through a book and seen different themes that were at the beginning, the middle, and the end? Have you ever seen the way that the big picture story connects in the Bible as a whole? Maybe some of you, you have a practice and rhythm of reading through the Bible. Maybe others of you, that seems like such a daunting task, but there's a gift to be able to see the themes and the connections that can go from there. And so it's good just to sit and to read and to see. One of my first seminary classes, I had to um, sit down and he said, you, we're going to be studying the book of Matthew, so just read through the gospel of Matthew. Do it, in, uh, do it a couple times in a couple different sittings and a couple different versions and just see, get that exposure to the book, get an exposure to the Bible. You'll see things you've never seen before if you just try to sit down and read it. It can be a hard discipline. It can take time, but it's so important for us to do. Now, another version is devotional reading. Now, a lot of us, uh, of, of people, I think this is probably the most common. We, we get our Bible app verse of the day. We have our upper room. We read a couple of scriptures. Somebody says something. It's really designed to inspire and to encourage us. That's its point, is to, is to give us a little bit of, of inspiration for the day. And I think that that's a gift for us. If that's all, that's not why God gave us his word. So we get two verses and we feel better. He calls us to more, but I think this is such an important part of our regular routine because it encourages us each day and God knows we need that. There's also a way of study that we should do, that we should read and we should study. This is often what I do when I have a sermon, is I, I am studying a particular text. I'm going deeper and deeper into it. When I was in seminary, I had a 10 to 12 page paper that was due on Matthew 5, 48b. I don't know what the first half of Matthew 5, 48 is necessarily, but I know Matthew 5, 48b by heart. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And so I'm sitting there in my first semester at seminary, and I think, 10 to 12 pages on that? As I got to page 11, I thought there is no way I could possibly finish this assignment in 12 pages. There's so much here. There's so much connection to the Old Testament. Be holy, therefore, as your heavenly Father is holy. There's so much about what does it actually mean to be perfect and the word telos in the, in the Greek about what, how the direction that we're headed. There's so much that was there. And there are times in which we need to study the word of God. We need to dig deep into a, a particular section or a verse. We need to go deeper than just what's on the surface. We need to be people who study God's word. There may be some of you who just absolutely love to do this. Others of you, you're like, I got done studying 
years ago, and I'm not going to do it again, but if you're going to study anything, please study this. It'll be good for your heart. It'll be good for your soul. Use tools, commentaries, other things to help you. Cross-reference Bibles, I'll be glad to help you with that. But to just to see what it is to study. Now, another approach to, to Scripture is to memorize Scripture. Now, this is not something, again, I feel like we do a great job with in the, in the church. But the Word doesn't just need to be in our head, but it needs to be in our hearts as well. Because when the going gets tough, we rely on what we know. Do we have the words of God deeply implanted in our hearts? And so we want to memorize Scripture. We want to hold Scripture, and we want to find a way to keep it in our head and our heart. So um, we're going to do a little challenge as a congregation, is we're going to try to memorize a Scripture together, all right? It's Psalm 119, 105. It's part of that long, long psalm. I didn't even read this part of it, but it says this. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. And so here's what I'm going to do is uh, next week I'm going to be asking some of you, maybe if I see you in the week, maybe if I see you on Sunday, what's our memory verse for the month? Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. And if we have a lot of candy, I'll give you a piece of candy, all right? If we don't get enough candy, you're out of luck, all right? But can we be people who hold the word of God deep in our hearts? Now, here's the beauty of like this passage. And memorization causes us to slow down sometimes. And it causes us to focus on each word. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. Do you see what this text tells us about God's word? It doesn't say, your word shows me everything. No, your word shows me what the next faithful step is. Your word illuminates my, my feet. It illuminates what's right in front of me. It helps me to see what to do next. We want to see the whole path. We want to see the, we want to see the path, the trees, all the possible outcomes. But that's not the way the word of God works. The word of God works to show us the next step. If only the next step is clear, then take it. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. This is the way that we should go. So we're going to memorize this together. Y'all with me? We're going to do this. All right. You can take a picture of it. You can write down. You can do it in a different version as well. That's okay as well. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. So what does the Bible do? How does it work? What does it provide? What good does it give us? What should we expect from it? Now, what I read today was from Psalm 119. It is the longest chapter in the Bible. There's 176 verses. I might have just gotten done reading it had we started, right? There are 22 stanzas, each beginning with a different letter in the Hebrew alphabet. We obviously lose that in translation, but that is part of the journey. And this longest chapter in our whole scripture is all about the reliability of God's word. It's all about the goodness of his laws, his commandments, his precepts. It shows us and provides for us what God's word can do. So one of the things that it does is it provides genuine encouragement in the midst of difficult circumstances. I don't know your story, but I know that you have one, and probably there are different, difficult circumstances you find yourself in. There are things you don't know how to do. There are questions you have. There are situations that seem more. Sometimes you feel like you may be in a pit. And so here it says, 
Um, in our scripture, it says, look at my affliction and rescue me, for I have not forgotten your law. Plead my cause and redeem me. Revive me according to your word. Do you feel lifeless today? Do you feel down today? Revive me according to your word. It can encourage our hearts. It can revive us and give us life. It also provides us testimonies of hope. The Bible is full of, or, of ordinary people who have encountered a God and extraordinary things happen. If you ever feel alone, there's stories about that. If you ever feel that you're in the midst of chaos, there's stories about that. If you ever feel like you're being oppressed, there are stories about that. There are testimonies of hope throughout our scriptures. We can find ourselves in the stories. In fact, sometimes what I'll do when I'm reading scripture, if I want to study it, if I want to go a little bit deeper, is I will pretend to be different people in the stories. And I'll be like, what would it be like if I am the older son in the prodigal son story? What would that experience be like if I was the older son? What would it be like if I was the younger son? How would this story help me to feel? How would I understand things? What would it be like if I was just a worker who was observing this dynamic of the prodigal son? Put yourself in different positions and you'll find different testimonies of hope. You'll see different truths that will come up. Many are my persecutors and my enemies, yet I do not turn aside from your testimonies. We can believe that the God who acted before will act again. Scripture also provides helpful direction. It, it tells us, it lays out a pathway. See how I love your precepts. Preserve my life, Lord, in accordance with your love. These precepts, these truths that were true long ago are true today, and we can trust it for direction. How do I know what to do? A continual reading of God's word will illuminate our life and will give us the mind of Christ. It provides godly perspective. We get full of information. Life is constant. There's a constant stream of information that is coming our way. But we need to hold on to God's word. Our scripture today ended with these words. All your words are true. All your righteous laws are eternal. I believe we, be, or we are being discipled by what we give our time to and what we give our attention to. And who we give our time to and who we give our attention to. And in this world, there are a lot of voices that are yelling at you. There are a lot of people that are trying to tell you what you should do, but those words are not eternal. The thing that that person said on Facebook three days ago is not eternal. The internet may be forever, but it's not forever, forever right? That person on cable news who's yelling at you about one thing or another is going to find something to yell about tomorrow too. There's always an urgency. God's word is a steady, faithful gift to us. You're being discipled by what you give your time and what you give your attention to. Are you giving your time and attention to God's word or does Facebook have more of your time and attention? Does news have more of your time and attention? Are you getting the godly truth and perspective that you need? So what does this mean for us as a church, for Mustang United Methodist Church? Where is God calling us to be? How does this work into our year of faithfulness? The first thing that I'm going to say is that Sunday morning is always going to be centered on the Word of God. I believe that when, that's why we stand, is because we honor the Word of God. And I believe that God will speak to you through His Scriptures before I ever say a word. There are some times in which you just need to read and read and read what was said because God is trying to communicate something directly to you. You can tune me out. 
Now, I, I, I am going to be studying the word, and I'm going to be trying to preach what I believe God has for us, and this is where we're going to be. We're going to be people who are continually shaped and formed by God's word and by God's truth. That will be a constant for us. When we say the Bible matters here, when we gather together weekly, we receive that word of God, and it spreads throughout what we do. Now, another thing we're going to do in 2020, and we're actually starting it today, is that we're going to memorize a scripture a month as a church community. We're going to have a focus verse that you and I are going to memorize and we're going to hold deep in our hearts. You're going to get better at memorizing scripture once you do it time and time again. You want to, you want to practice scripture? You want to be better at it? Then do it. I worked at a place and everybody's accounts was in by phone number. And so for a period of time, I could remember all the Whatever the digits, however many digits there are in a phone number, 10 digits of phone number, I could remember that because I practiced, I heard it time and time again. So if you told me your phone number, I could remember it because I practiced it. We're going to practice scripture memory so that we can have it and we can have that skill to be able to do. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. What would it be like if we as a whole body of Christ held those words deep in our hearts? So we're going to memorize scripture together. And then in 2022, we're going to read the Bible together as a church from beginning to end. For some of you, you're like, I do this every year. Congratulations. So proud of you. You're going to have to help the rest of us. All right. Especially as we get to once we can get past like early February and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, like we're going to be better. All right. But we're going to read the Bible together and be shaped by his word. So what I, I'm going to invite you to do is to download an app, if you're one of those people who uses app, called Read Scripture. And this is put together by some folks from a group called the Bible Project. Now here's why I like it. It's because so often when we get to reading Scripture, we don't understand the context. We don't understand the world in which it was written in. We do not understand. And so as part of this Read Scripture app, they have daily readings that we will follow. But they also have videos, and I know you all like videos, all right, that help us to understand what we're reading. And so not every day are there videos, but they're going to have videos that help you understand, okay, what is Genesis 1 through 12 about? So when we get there, you can watch a video on day one about what Genesis 1 through 12 is about. And then the next four days, as you're reading that, you're going to be like, oh, that's what that means. Oh, I see it now. And there are other things that just help us out through the journey. So we're going to start this January 1. If you're not somebody who uses apps, then, then we will have hard copies of read this and read this, but I would strongly encourage you to, to use the app or to find the video so that you can go along and understand it better in context. Because if not, you're just going to read words and sometimes they're going to filter in and sometimes they'll just filter right out. And we're going to be people who are shaped and formed by God's word, just as Jesus was. I mentioned Jesus on the cross, quoted Psalm 22. He quoted scripture Throughout his time, the Bible mattered to Jesus, and so it matters to us. For him, he would have undoubtedly had Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9 memorized. It's called the Shema. It's one of the most important texts in our whole scripture. It says these words, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts impress them on your children talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road when you lie down and when you get up tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates 
everywhere you go, everything you do, be surrounded by the word of God. And so Jesus was, and we can too. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.